Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. I've been here 23 years getting it done from 7 to 11 p.m., unless we are truncated sometimes by a game. So it's a pleasure to have you sticking and staying with us, joining us tonight on June 12th. My goodness, how the time is flying. I keep looking at the dates and the times, and I go, my goodness, it feels like it was just April, or it feels like it was just March. But the time is definitely moving on. I want to say thank you so much to my producers, Craig Schofer, as well as Chris Tubbs and Jonathan Lowe. It is a pleasure to work with all three of you. Um, Twins baseball returns tomorrow, by the way, tomorrow night, as they travel to the Pacific Northwest to take on the uh, Mariners. Mariners? Mariners? Yeah. Do I have it right, Jonathan? You know I don't know. Mariners. Thank you, Mariners. Pre-game is 8.30 p.m. with a 9.10 first pitch here on WCCO. All right, Jonathan, we might as well go right into sports. I know how excited you are. You absolutely love sports. It's a big piece of who you are. Tell me what's new and what I should know about. No, it's not a lot that's too new. Um, Twins had a game the other night, right? Twins lost today. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they had a nine-game stretch against contending teams from the American League East and the Toronto Blue Jays and the New York Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays, and they had a winning record. They went 5-4. and four. They, they won two against Toronto. They won two against Tampa, and they lost two of three against New York when they should have won two of three. They, they let a game slip away on uh, Thursday. But that's so they didn't have there. a game on yesterday. No? No, they did. They they played okay. yesterday afternoon. They play so this week they, they did not play on Monday. They played the Yankees Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday evening, mm-hmm. and then they played Tampa Friday evening, yesterday afternoon, and this afternoon. Okay, got it. Well, I know there's not a whole lot to talk about in sports, but well, the uh, links course, are playing so, right now. Yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> yeah, the links are playing right now. They're they're mm-hmm. down in the third quarter. Uh it hasn't been a good year for the Lynx. I know that they're missing some pieces, uh, like Nafisa uh, um, Collier, who just had a baby. Congratulations to her. Uh, oh. But they are missing some of their core pieces, and so they have not had the best of seasons so far. How difficult is it to get uh, enough people uh, on the roster that can make sure that they're at their best? Because I know... Uh, COVID really hit so hard on all the teams uh, in so many different sports. Um, and then we thought we got through that. And then there was more to come. You know, there were people uh, people that walked away from the sport or, or moved to another team. All of those things happen. It never seems to, to be that during a season, every game, they've got their entire team. And I correct about that? Well, a lot of times it's because of injury. You You work through the grind of all of these seasons, even though the NFL season, let's say, is 17 games. It's not a lot of games, but the 
the toll of the physical activity that is football takes a toll on your body. And that's not to mention some of the other seasons. You have uh, 34 games, I believe, in the WNBA. You have 38 games in Major League Soccer. Then you get up to 82 games in both the NBA and the NHL and 162 games when you're talking about Major League Baseball. It's a lot of wear and tear on the body. And yeah, so, I just don't know how they do that. I mean, that's so many games. Well, the, Why you, do we need that many games? Well, the number one overall reason is money. I mean, it's just uh, let's just let's just put everything out there. It's money, so that's why they've grown to these uh, schedules that they have now. Because it didn't used to be this way. The NBA did not used to play eighty-two games in a regular season. The NHL did not used to play eighty-two games. Major League Baseball didn't play one hundred and sixty-two, and so over time. With expansion of teams, more teams coming into the leagues, uh, the the expanded revenue that you could get from broadcasting, from radio, then from television, and now from, in some cases, streaming uh, services, the money just continues to grow. And so the demand in this country for sports lends itself so that we really want to see our teams play as much as possible, as often as possible. And so that's why you have all these TV contracts that are come up, that have come up. This is real quick. I'll just sidebar. Go, keep keeping with the WNBA. I had a conversation with a, a good friend of mine. We usually talk once a week, once every other week, and he was talking about the WNBA and the fact that why don't they play more than thirty four, thirty five, thirty six games in a season? And part of it I was talking to him about is I think part of it is the fact that there are only 12 teams in the league right now. Another part of it is the NBA is kind of subsidizing it, or it does subsidize it, not kind of. They subsidize the WNBA. And so they kind of play the WNBA schedule in the off time that the NBA is off. You know, maybe the pl- the playoffs co- co-mingle with it, but the off season really – tends to go toward the WNBA. And so any expansion of that, any any uh, expansion of the league, which people are starting to clamor for, and any expansion of the schedule, you might be running into situations where you're going to be <laughs> – you might run over NBA and WNBA product together in the same season. So it's it's a little interest, – it's, it's interesting to talk about scheduling, how it affects athletes, what it affects re- for revenue, and all of that. It's, it's a bit fascinating to me. But again, you really, I'm a you nerd. You really love sports. I'm this a nerd. is a big, big part of your life. Sports Has it always been, dork. though, like in high school where you're a sports dork? Oh, I, yeah, I, I gravitated to sports. My earliest recollections were probably when I was about 8, 9, 10 years old and started watching stuff because – the good thing about growing up in a city like Kansas City or like Minneapolis, St. Paul, or Dallas or wherever is you have teams that are local. You have the biggest stage available to, to watch locally. And mm-hmm. so for me, it was the Kansas City Royals and the Kansas City Chiefs. And then I had college teams that I supported. For people up here, Twins, Vikings, Wild Wolves, you got the whole gambit. And then and now you have Minnesota United for soccer and the links for WNBA. You just it's a saturation factor, and 
it just gets passed down a lot of times through generations. So let me ask you this question about um, the the people that love sports, those that want to support our teams, right? Of course, football season. We are rabid. The corner. We are nuts. Yes, I know. We are nuts about it. But tell me, what are they charging this year? Has it changed from last year? Uh, I think it has. It, and that's another thing with talking about the, the TV revenue and all this, the, the expanded schedules and whatnot. You would think with more games comes – a reduced rate to go see these teams play. And that's not the case. You know, the owners did not become the owners by giving away stuff. I'll say it that mm-hmm. way. Uh, you're, you're not going to get uh, half-off price tickets every night of the season. You might get it for like five or six games in the NFL. You might, or Not even the NFL. You might get it for a package if you, if you buy like a 20-game package in the NBA or something like that. But you ain't going to get everything half off because then they're making half the profits, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, with sports, I keep trying to figure it all out for me as a woman, right? Um, it's not that we don't comprehend. We do. But for me, I try to figure out how much time do I want to spend on all of these sports? You know, which ones do I just stop and go, I really like to watch those. And that would be basketball, whether it's women's or men's and, and also football. Well, those are, Two of my favorites. Here's the thing with you talk about women follow sports. There are phenomenal. Careful now. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying <laughs> there are phenomenal female analysts, broadcasters uh, that are in uh, writers that are in the fold and have been for years. I was I was at home yesterday uh, and turned on ESPN and I watched there was a 30 for 30. That's their documentary movie series. Mm-hmm. And they had a stretch of films, short films, that came out a few years ago that were specifically directed toward women, and they called it Nine for Nine. The nine, uh, I don't call it movies, but nine documentary pieces for uh, regarding Title Nine. And one of them that came on last night was talking about women getting into the locker rooms and being reporters in the locker rooms, not only getting into the newspapers of the day in the late 60s, early 70s, really the early 70s, but getting in, getting access to the locker rooms to talk to the athletes and the trials and the tribulations that some of these people had to go through. And so it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress. It still is. But there are a lot of women out there right now that hold it down that hold it down, and they, mm-hmm. they will drop the mic uh, anytime, any, anywhere. They will take you up on any topic, and they will school you on any topic. Wow. Well, I learned a lot from you, Jonathan. I thank you for that. And we're going to have to take a break and come back with our 720 segment in just a moment. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Everybody get up. Oh, my goodness. I don't know about you, Jonathan, but the January 6th committee that just came on on Thursday that says the attack on the Capitol was a culmination of an attempted coup. Okay, this, these are words that Americans like to stay away from, even those that are in the media, unless they're on, you know, like a far left, far right or something like that. So it was really quite shocking when, you know, so many people um, really watched. Uh, I think they said 20 million. Do I have that right? Do you know if it was 20 yes, million? Yes, I did hear 20 watched? million. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you watch? I did watch some of it. I did. And what did you think? Um, I know that I, you, you hear analysis after that and even before uh, pundits, talking heads, whomever, were saying people have made up their minds already. This really isn't going to move the needle. Um, it's not going to really convince people of what did or didn't or what they think did or didn't happen on that day. And I agree with that. I think a lot of people are baked in. But the way that they're trying to outline this and the way that they're trying to present their argument, I thought it got off to a good start. I thought, Yeah, but I think, I think they really – made it very clear to Americans um, that President Donald Trump was at the center of this conspiracy. And that has been argued since 20, uh, 20, what is it now? This is the second year, right? So last year, year, January 6th. It's ridiculous. A year and a half has passed, and we still don't have all the information that we know, first of all. We've got a whole nother one of these four-hour things happening. What is it, next week, I think it is? No, we're going to have six in total. This, is, this was the first of six hearings mm-hmm. that's going to happen, I believe, over the next couple of weeks because they have – I believe they have a hearing scheduled for tomorrow. I think they have one scheduled right. for, this for week. Tuesday, right. for Thursday. They have, they have multiple scheduled. Um, and how long are each week. of them? Do you know how long each of them are? I'll have to check on that. I'm not, I'm not certain uh, how long they're See, supposed he, to last. Here's what I would love. I would love for them to do all of those, right, and make them available to the Americans, right, to all of us. Um, and then we watch. We watch whenever we need to watch. We watch it. Those of us that want to get involved or want to add to the conversation, like those of us that are hosting on radio, great. Keep talking about it. I think we should talk about it ad nauseum. And many people are talking about his children, specifically his daughter, whom he absolutely adores, right? Um, so people are talking about who has been involved with that former president, Donald Trump. So I, I get frustrated when um, we have to ask the question, so do you agree with what you saw? Do you agree with what you saw? Um, do I agree with what I saw? It's weird. I, I get frustrated with that. Just give us all the facts. How are we defining facts today when it comes to what happened on January 26th? I mean, January 6th. The, the question you asked is a loaded question because do you bring in the word believe and belief? Mm-hmm. And people are going to look at whatever is presented, and they're going to give their own, their own slant on it, their own thought process on it, and say, oh, you know, this is something where, of course, 
you're going to say something under oath at a deposition or you're going to say something when you're pressured because you got the threat hanging over you. But really, is that what happened? There are people who are going to think that. And they're not going to yeah, take Yeah, because we always feel answers. more comfortable, but we always feel more comfortable when we are within the scope of our understanding. Absolutely. Period. Oh, I agree right. with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, so a lot of people are going to say, you know, oh, well, I've always believed that he had nothing to do with it. I really believe that, and I'm going to stick with that. They will stick with that no matter what truth comes forward. But it's amazing that so many Americans today either don't understand what truth is, don't know what truth is, or just flat out say, I'm not going to listen to that. I, I'm, what I believe is surprised. what I believe. I, I don't think it's that shocking. I just think it's number In one. In this more particular out- sense, it is. When you're trying to convince me, you know, when you've got groups of people trying to convince me that that was a party, even the former president was like, these are good people. They were just having a good time going to tour the Capitol. What? Again. People died. Again. I don't. That does not shock me because this is we're 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 not any different, uh, diametrically different than we were twenty years ago, thirty, forty, fifty, hundred, one hundred, one hundred and fifty. However far back you want to go, when topics like this come up, when incidents and events like this come up, you're going to have people, no matter the percentage, that think opposite of what the presented facts are going to be or or they're going to think they're going to put it their own spin on it i it does not stun me um by the way first of all these will be available um i once these hearings happen and and depending on what you're watching depending on what channel you're watching i'm certain that these will be televised especially if you have like a c-span it will be televised on C-SPAN. Yeah. That is, and I used to watch no, C-SPAN all yeah, the way. There's and, no and question the about ones that. that. Exactly. I agree with that. However, I think for me, it's really a challenge to know what we saw. It's like we have been given so many different ways. We even have new cameras and new phones that can take certain images out. You know, And it's what's real and what's not real. We aren't any, we're not I'm, clear I'm anymore as to what's real. I'm telling you right now, I went on YouTube and... They had I can't remember what the channel was that had it, but they had the entire hearings that happened last week regarding the uh, with 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 guests coming in regarding the Buffalo mass shooting and the Uvalde mass shooting. And they had the witnesses come in and and talk about their experiences or what their their loved ones went through. They had those entire hearings up on YouTube, Mm -hmm. probably within a couple of hours of them finishing. And so we have access to it. We have access to it. It's just how much you want to divulge time to it. Now, uh, this is from Deadline.com. This is a hearing schedule. The second hearing is scheduled for tomorrow. A third hearing is scheduled for Wednesday. Uh, Hearing four looks like it will take place Thursday. Uh, Some indication that it will take place Thursday. I guess it hasn't been set yet. Uh, hearing five will take place a week from Tuesday. I'm surprised that they're not doing it on Friday um, because you. I, I think that the committee needs a break, <laughs> to tell you the truth. One day break in between. So like you said, tomorrow and then Tuesday they're off. Wednesday is the next one, right? And then you said Thursday. Well, uh, that, that hearing four, is, I guess, has not been completely set in stone. There's indications that it will be Thursday, but it may be Friday. It may be uh 
it's it may be I don't I don't think it'd be over the weekend. It might be a week from tomorrow. I don't know. Right. Right. We don't know, but I know Friday is difficult. A lot of people leave work early and that sort of thing. They have their mind on the weekend, not necessarily on something like this. But we used to be glued to the television in the 70s, you know, 60s and 70s, glued to the television. And today, people will accept what they believe and only what they believe and nothing else, no matter what they see, what they hear. And I'm trying to figure out how did we get here? I, how did I, we again, get here? we've always been here. The Zapruder, the Zapruder, uh, Zapruder film. That's all I got to say. The Zapruder film. What's a Pruder film? The the John F. Kennedy assassin, assassination. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, we've always been there. We're gonna take a break and come back in just a moment. It is now 7.38 here at WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talk, and I am your host, Geraldine Steele, and my first guest tonight is Kelly Grosslogs. And if you haven't heard of her, let me tell you about her. Uh, to say many people are struggling with grief and loss these days is definitely an understatement. From the loss of loved ones to the horrific tragedies happening across our country and the world, not to mention many people are still dealing with the impact of the pandemic. Well, Kelly is a nationally known grief expert, speaker, and author based right here in the Twin Cities with more than 25 years of experience working in oncology, end of life, and grief counseling. She is known for her conversations with Kelly, interactive speaking engagements to alleviate the suffering of those experiencing deep loss, exploring grief and loss, as well as hope, resilience, and peace. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, Gerilyn, what an honor. It's such a great honor to be here, and thank you for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. Okay, so COVID is still raging a bit. Um, Some states are starting Mm -hmm. to see an increase. Many of us are tired of it, yet many of us are going forward. I think lifting the the rules and and how we should live or wear masks or get, you know, vaccinated or new boosters, whatever it is, it seems to be working. People are starting to calm down. Are you seeing that? Well, what's interesting is um, in my field as a grief therapist, I am dealing a lot with, yes, people are ready to move on, but where I, where I work is with the people that remain impacted by it, even if their loss happened in 2020. We are, we're having what I would call kind of this delayed reaction in terms of our grief, our loss, our trauma. And so for those of us that work in the field of grief and loss, I think for many people, it does feel like people are moving on, but I'm really holding the space for the people that, you know, their lives have been impacted more than they need to get a vaccine or they need to wear masks or they need to social distance. These are the, the people I'm working with have been deeply impacted either from a death from COVID or a job loss, or they've had somebody in their family die during COVID, which we all know looked very different than prior to the pandemic. So yes, in one hand, part of us is moving on. And then there's, there's a whole community here um, in our country that are dealing with their own significant losses complicated by all the, the turmoil and the trauma that's going on in our country. Mm-hmm. You know, here's the thing for me. I noticed that we have, um, 
to all of the death that happened here. Uh, many of us mm-hmm. grieved from those loved ones or dear friends or even coworkers. Um, and we knew that we lost people. I don't know anyone that didn't lose someone that was very dear right. to them. Um, I know that acknowledging that we have and are all experiencing grief and loss is very important. If we don't acknowledge it, then we don't realize that we have it as deeply as we do. So what should we do in order to help ourselves to understand that we are all experiencing this and that it's okay to do it and then how to do it to make sure that you get it out of your system as much as possible. So I like what word you used, which is acknowledge. Um, there, there is in many of us are familiar with five stages of grief and one of the stages is acceptance. And truly, as we as we lean in more to our grief, we realize that asking people to accept some of these horrific losses is um, unbearable and not even really appropriate. So we we ask that, and we work. Um, I work with people on: Can you acknowledge it? Can you acknowledge that this loss happened? Can you acknowledge and embrace what it has and how it has impacted your life? And to know that there's not a timeline on grief, that really if you've lost somebody that you love and you've been very close to them, I I often say one of my taglines is that when you love deeply, you will grieve deeply. And if you've spent a good amount of time loving somebody and attached to somebody, you will spend the rest of your life integrating that loss. And so one of the most beautiful ways is to acknowledge, is to say the name of the person, is to write about them, is to donate to a charity in their honor, but keeping them alive in the best way that you can through stories, through talking about them. Gerilyn, with the with COVID deaths, one of the things that I'm really working with people on, because what has become so much the focus is that they died from COVID and that we're forgetting that these people also had this life prior to their death. And so working with families to also remember the life of the person and not that they're just a number in our statistics and in our our reports that come out about, yes, they died of COVID. There are a lot of complications with people who have died from COVID in terms of the grief. But please, if you're listening to this and you've had a family member die from COVID, it's really important that you also honor their life and not just how they died. Okay, so we learned some of this um, right in the middle of COVID. Um, We knew that 2021, I'm sorry, 2020 was very difficult. We didn't know which way to go, left or right. And then 2021 Mm -hmm. came and there was a bigger, better understanding of this whole pandemic and what each of us are going through, not just our American families and our our American friends. We're talking throughout the world. There were people on on social media that were from all over the world saying, I'm so sorry if you lost someone. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about you. I've lost someone. So we had a chance to have um, very interesting, strange even um, relationships with people we don't even know, but we had that one thing in common, that we lost someone and we are grieving that someone. Where are we today? Well, I think um, I I would like to see us um, embrace a little bit more of that. I think you're absolutely right. I, I think we 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 bonded with the world in a lot of ways because we were going through it. Now we have pandemic fatigue. We have grief fatigue. We have a lot of um, 
things that, you know, we're, we're tired of and it's understandable, Mm -hmm. but I would love to go back to those times where we reached our hands out to people we didn't know, um, metaphorically and held that space for them. And you didn't see, you know, I mean, obviously on social media platforms and different things, there can be a lot of hatred and a lot of judgment and those things, but it was like, we were in this together in the beginning and, and you're right. And whether you lost somebody or not, your life was impacted by the pandemic. And it was kind of a, it gave me hope in humanity. I think some of that remains. I will also say that unfortunately we are, um, we are really, you know, saturated every day with unfortunate things that happen. Uvalde, Buffalo, all the different things that are happening. And again, compounding that on top of what we're already have been through in the last couple of years, it's a lot for us. So to be very mindful and to kind of go back to, I'm really working in my own life to kind of go back to, okay, we had to be very intentional about connection in the beginning of this pandemic and in 2020, 2021, and not just physical connection, but really reaching out to people. And I hope, I hope that we can get some of that back um, and not lose some of those things that we gained in terms of that while when we realized we weren't able to connect with people, it became very important to connect with people. And, you know, because we realized how much that mattered in life. You know, I don't know if it would have been different as an epidemic, but as a pandemic, um, each of us, mm-hmm. I believe, Americans specifically, have really learned how to see through the grief, how to see, you know, the joy of that person, uh, the love of that person. We concentrate more on positive things, at least I do, more so today, mm-hmm. um, now that we feel as though we are nearing the end. Of course, we're hearing the surge mm-hmm. happening, but we, most of us feel as though it will be over soon. So if we're trying to move forward, um, how in the world do we begin? Yeah, well, it's going to look different for everyone, right? So, um, again, I, I think moving, moving forward doesn't have to mean we forget what we've been through. I think we, it, it's not an either-or situation. It's a both-and situation. It's both we remember what we've been through as a country, we remember um, the struggles that maybe we had, and we take those and we use those things, those learnings that we have, whether it's gratitude, whether it's forgiveness, whatever that may be, and we use those as we walk forward because we, we are moving forward. I mean, it's, but it's also important to remember that some of us are moving forward with a, with a much heavier heart and a much more difficult time and that it's when I work in um, with with COVID bereaved so people that have actually lost people with COVID they one of the things that's been so striking to me Gerilyn is when they say things like I wish I had the luxury of going forward and just knowing that I don't have to wear a mask at the grocery store or that I don't have to social distance or that I can go back to my office for them, it's different. So moving forward is more about integrating how different their lives are and and not and, and, and truly having to balance for them how much they subject themselves to um, news about COVID. Because if you think about it, if you've lost somebody to COVID, 
and they're very, very close to you, it's hard to get away from the subject matter versus if somebody in your family died of heart disease. You're not inundated every single day with heart disease. And so I'm being very sensitive and mindful that, yes, I'm ready to kind of get back, lean back into life, knowing that it's not our new normal, it's our difference. And that's, you know, the event that I have coming up why we titled it Embracing the Different, because I think to, to strive to get back to our new normal can, can be complicating to people because Absolutely. It, what is normal, right? What What's is normal? normal? I mean, exactly. We what define it individually at this normal? point. We really do. And, exactly. and I'm glad you brought up the event because it's being held this Tuesday, June 14th at Mount Olivet Lutheran Church of Plymouth, and that's from 6.30 to 8 p.m., and tickets are still can still be purchased on Eventbrite? That's right, Gerilyn. And so on Eventbrite, and if you search um, Conversations with Kelly or um, Embracing the Different, and we do have some tickets left. We are, because of COVID, we are limiting the amount of tickets so that we can keep a safe environment um, for people coming. And it's the Mount Olivet in Plymouth um, Church really excited to get back into our live events. It's been two and a half years. And I'll tell you, people are so excited to be in community again. I want to reassure people we're going to do our best to keep the environment safe um, in terms of from the virus. But people right now, Gerilyn, are really needing to connect. And so we're going to be talking about grief. I know they are. We're going to be talking. Yeah. And a lot of people are talking about grief and loss, by the way. Not just you, but so many others here in the great state of Minnesota. Now, this event will be held Tuesday. Again, that's this Tuesday, June 14th at Mount Olivet Lutheran Church of Plymouth. And that's from 630 to 8 p.m. Tickets can be purchased on Eventbrite. You do not want to miss it. Kelly, I am so glad that you joined us tonight. And I am so thrilled that you. you are in this business. I hope I have you on again. So thank you so much. Sherilyn, thank you. You're welcome. My goodness, everyone, as we hear about loss, don't worry. There's so much more that we're hearing about it. Uh, we didn't have time. I wish we had more time, but we, we ran out of time. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. It is now 7.57, a little later than that. Let me tell you something. Coming up next, we're going to talk about a new book. It's called Inflation, what, is, what It Is, Why It's Bad, and How to Fix It. And let me tell you, some of the people that are involved in this, Steve Forbes, Nathan Lewis, and Elizabeth Ames, and Nathan Lewis will be with us in just a moment. Stay tuned. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.